Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Injures at the Point podcast. I am your host, Tyler Aaron. If you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it is at TylerAaron65. Or you can follow the show's Instagram or Twitter at PenguinsFan65. And in today's episode, we are going to look at what would be the ideal 2022-23 season for the Penguins. In the next segment, we will look at a potential trading partner with the Penguins and see what that team will target from the Penguins. And we will wrap up this episode with the Penguins preseason broadcast slash media plans. And that is all coming up right after this drop. Alright, I am back here on the Injures at the Point podcast. I am your host, Tyler Aaron. If you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it is at TylerAaron65. Or you can follow the show's Instagram or Twitter at PenguinsFan65. And in this first segment, we are going to look at what would be the ideal 2022-23 season for the Penguins. So I'm going to go ahead and get started. I have... A few things here that would be very ideal for the Penguins this season to help make the team better, hopefully help push for a another postseason berth. So I'm going to go right ahead and get started. So the first one I have is the second line. Whichever the combo will be, find some consistent production. The second line has really been inconsistent I would say this year like Jason Zucker who only played for like half of the season last year um, same with Malkin and um, whoever you put on the right wing on that line so whether the second line is going to be something like Zucker, Malkin, and Raquel or Zucker, Malkin, Rust or even move on Rust down to third and bringing up a guy like Danton Heinen to play on that second line with Malkin and Ruster Raquel. We really don't know what the second line is going to look like on opening night, but I can imagine it could look something like Zucker, Malkin, and Ricard Raquel and having Russ playing on that first line. Especially like in the playoffs, most of the Penguins production was from Crosby, Malkin, Crosby, Getzel, and Rust. So I'm very hoping that our second line can be very consistent. Usually it's always our top six that does, but especially late last year, it was just all the first line, and it's like the second line fell off of a cliff. So that's what I have for the first one. Moving on to... The next one I have, Jason Zucker stays healthy throughout the year and can hit 50 points. Um, Jason Zucker has hit over the 50 points mark a few times in his career with Minnesota. He's never done it in Pittsburgh, unfortunately. 
Um, I think if Jason Zucker stays healthy all year and he can manage to stay on the second line with Malkin, I think that there's a good shot. He is getting overpaid way too much. All Penguin fans are calling for his head pretty much because of his $5.5 million cap hit and the production that the Penguins are getting from him. Uh, This is the last year prove-it deal with Jason Zucker. With the Penguins, he will be a free agent at the end of this coming season. So hopefully Jason Zucker can play well enough and if he chooses not to come back, can get some money when he heads to the free agent market in July. So, I'm hoping that Zucker will stay healthy throughout the year and doesn't have to deal with many injuries. I mean, when he played in the first round last year versus the Rangers, he was amazing. Like, especially in Game 6, I feel like he was the one who was making the chances happen for the Penguins. So, I am very curious and hoping that Jason Zucker will remain healthy. Next up, I have the Penguins penalty kill, and power play stays in the top half of the league. Uh, The penalty kill and power play was in the top half of the league last year. Um, I feel like our power play was pretty much going to stay the same as far as uh, uh, 1-3-1 pattern goes, and our penalty kill should be getting... A little bit better. Um, I mean, on your penalty kill, you got Bluger, Brock McGinn, who can play. Jason Zucker can play there. Um, you can move Kasperi Kapanen onto the penalty kill, too. I feel like that would be a great decision. It'd be very helpful for Kapanen to produce more, especially uh, how bad he was last year, especially in the second half of the season. So the penal- the power play... Um, my, my take on the power play though is they need to shoot the puck more. Um, but the penalty kill and power play was in the top half of the league, both last season and with Todd Reardon still covering the power play and the penalty kill. Um, I can see that continuing because Todd Reardon is the kind of coach that can do that. So that's my take on the power play. And the penalty kill. Next up on the list, I have the main core is still producing at a high rate. Um, this is probably the most likely to happen. I'm not really too worried about this one with Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. I mean, Latang with Todd Reardon. Um, he had a career season last year. So I'm not really worried with Chris Latang. He was easily one of the best defensemen on the team last year. Um, he almost had. He could have had a Norris caliber season, but Malkin, if he plays a full season, um, I shouldn't be too worried about him. And Crosby has always been over a point per game. Never has had under a point a game in his career, so I am not worried about that. So, moving on here. Next up on the list, I have Jeff Petrie. Hits 40 points and becomes a solid number one, number two option on the Penguins' defense. Um, Jeff Petrie, for sure, we know, will be in the top four. He will be on the second line pairing with Chris Letang, hopefully, unless he gets hurt. Um, So, 
Uh, we've seen Jeff Petrie hit over 40 points um, two seasons ago, back in 2020-21, with Montreal. He, in just 55 games, he had 12 goals, 30 assists, 42 points, with a plus-minus rating of plus six. Um, that is amazing. Um, what is that? That's like eight, seven or eight points under a point per game for a defenseman. That is absolutely unreal. Um, besides last year, he's had four 40-plus point seasons in his career, uh, minus last year because, you know, Montreal was really bad. But once when Martin St. Louis became came into play with Montreal, uh, Jeff Petrie was over a point per game again. Even though he only had 27 points last year in 68 games, I am hoping Jeff Petrie can find his stride again with the Penguins being coached by Mike Sullivan uh, and working with Todd Reardon. So, with that being said, I am very excited for Jeff Petrie this season, and I think that he could hit 40 points again and be one of the best blue liners on the Penguins next season. So, next up on the list, I have Kasperi Kapanen bounces back. Um, he had a great start to the season last year and then absolutely fell off of a cliff towards the second half. Um, he only had 32 points in 79 games last year. Um, he's done so much better than that. I mean, two seasons prior during the COVID year with the Maple Leafs in just 69 games, he had 36 points. So, um, I know... This is the, what, the third highest points that he's ever put up in his career. But he's hit 40, over 40 points before. In 2018-19, he had 44 points in 78 games. So he is perfectly capable of hitting the 44 points. Um, especially with playing with Jeff Carter and uh, Danton Heinen, I'd say, on the third line. If Kapanen even makes it onto the third line, and if you put Kapanen on the penalty kill, um, I feel like your penalty kill will get a crap ton better, and hopefully Kasperi Kapanen's production really produces this upcoming season. So, next up on the list, I have the Penguins' fourth line outperforms their expectations. So... The Penguins' bottom six isn't really the greatest right now. Um, a lot of people don't like how our bottom six is formed right now. And especially our fourth line, especially because we have that one spot open. Uh, we really only have 11 forwards, so we got a few people performing. Um, our fourth line, I mean, I just remember a few years ago having Teddy Bluger, Brandon Tanev, and... I can't put my finger... Oh, Zach Aston Race. Okay. Those three players. It was easily one of the best fourth lines in the league. Everyone on our fourth line now can play on the penalty kill. Um, if they stay consistent on maybe 15 minutes a night, maybe. I don't know if that's too much or not enough, but... The Penguins' fourth line, I feel like, can out easily outperform their expectations, uh, help the penalty kill being one of the best in the league, and 
hopefully become one of the best fourth lines in the league like they were a few seasons ago. So, up next, I have the goalies remain healthy for the postseason if we do indeed make it. Um, I think that we will make the postseason. Um, I'll be surprised if we won't. I mean, we've made it for like the past like 16, 17 seasons now. So, if we do make it, the goalies stay healthy. Uh, Tristan Jari ends up playing a whole round, hopefully. I know... Uh, I feel like we, we would have easily won that series versus the New York Rangers if Jari played that entire season. Or heck, even if Casey Smith played that entire series. Um, it just comes down to the Penguins' luck. I feel like that's why um, the Penguins have struggled in round one these past few seasons. It's not because of uh, how they play. It's just the luck that they have with the injuries and the goaltending and stuff. So hopefully Tristan Jari, of course, stays healthy. But if not, Casey Smith is a great option too behind to back him up. Um, I would hate to see the Penguins in back in round one at the end of this season with Jari and DeSmith hurt and we have to play let someone like Dustin Tokarski as the starter. So I'm hoping that the goaltenders will remain healthy for the postseason if we make it. So the final one on this list I have is just making it to the second round. Um, luck really has been on our side since 2018 when we did make it to the second round versus Washington. So um, I'm just hoping I, the, the Penguins have a perfectly capable roster of totally making it to the second round. Um if the Penguins do make the playoffs and hit the top three seeds, uh, they're probably going to play the Hurricanes or the Rangers in round one. Um, I know Carolina's gotten stronger, um, but if they play like they did in that second round versus the Rangers, um, I feel like the Penguins can easily beat them, and the Penguins could easily beat the Rangers too. If we would have beat the Rangers last season, I could see us in the conference finals playing Tampa Bay this past year. So that is going to do it with what would the Penguins 2022-23 ideal season would be. So coming up in the next segment, uh, I will be talking about a potential trading partner with the Penguins and what that team would target off the Penguins roster. And that is coming up right after this. All right, I am back here on the Answers at the Point podcast. I am your host, Tyler Aaron. If you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it is at TylerAaron65. Or you can follow the show's Instagram or Twitter at PenguinsFan65. And so in this segment, I'm going to talk about a potential trading partner with the Penguins and what that team could be targeting. So the team that I have... that I am seeing as a potential trading partner is Steve Eiserman in the Detroit Red Wings. Um, as of right now, the Detroit Red Wings are currently around, they are 10.296 million underneath the cap. And most likely by when the season starts, they'll be around seven and a half million under the cap. So, um, 
I was reading a report from the hockeywriters.com. Uh, it was an article by Michael DeRosa. Uh, and he was talking about some of uh, Detroit, uh, the Detroit Red Wings 2022 offseason trade targets. And he wrote an entire article about what general manager Steve Eiserman and the Red Wings could be targeting from the Penguins this offseason. Um, so they said that they could be targeting three different players on the Penguins. And I will go over those three players and what I think the Penguins could get from a deal like this. The first one being uh, Brian Dumoulin. Um, he's currently on his last year on his contract with a total cap hit of $4.1 million that will end at the end of the season. Um, I don't know if the Penguins are really willing to trade him, but the Penguins do have nine defensemen on the roster, and they do need to move a defenseman before the season starts. So I think Brian Dumoulin could be the one guy to go. Um, I'd rather have a guy like Marcus Pedersen go, but I don't think that Marcus Pedersen will go. Uh, the next player that he has uh, of a potential trade target is uh, defenseman Pierre Oliver Joseph. Now, I really don't want this to happen. I like P.O. Joseph. And he's one of the best prospects that the Penguins still have. Uh, we got P.O. Joseph from the Phil Kessel trade with Arizona. He was pretty much the main piece to come back in that deal. Uh, I'd hate to get him. I'd, I'd hate to let him go. And I think he is getting really close to cracking an NHL roster. Although he probably has a better chance of making... A full-time NHL job somewhere else. Um, if you want to, I don't know, bury this first-round draft. P.O. Joseph was a former first-round draft pick. I'm pretty sure he was drafted 23rd overall in 2017. I know he was drafted in 2017, but I will have to fact-check that. Um, I mean, just last season, he had 10 goals and 33 points in 61 total games with the Wilkes-Barre, Scranton Penguins. Um, I do believe P.O. Joseph can make an NHL roster. I just don't think it'll happen anytime soon with Pittsburgh. Um, I would rather move P.O. Joseph if we were to in a deal where we can get like a top six forward in return. Like somebody such as like JT Miller, I don't know, like a top six forward that you know that we can use. And so, moving right along to the last player that the Red Wings could be targeting, and that would be Teddy Bluger. Um, I, th I mean, the original trade with Jeff Petrie, I'm pretty sure I've said this, but the original trade for Jeff Petrie was. Teddy Bluger and Marcus Pedersen for Jeff Petrie. Um, I think with the Penguins' new management, uh, with Ron Hextall, they're not big fans with Teddy Bluger. Um, I think he will be gone. Um, I'm pretty sure that he has one year left on his contract as well. Um, I'm pretty sure he's making 
a little over two or a little under two million per. Um, I don't. I think that this is the least likely of the three. I don't think. I was looking at the uh, Red Wing center depth, and they seem okay, um, unless they use Teddy Bluger for their penalty kill and maybe playing as a, as like a, I don't know, like a wing, probably on the wing. Um, I don't know. He could make a run for the Detroit Red Wings third line center with uh, P.S. Suter. So I'm very curious to see. Uh, now, it's pretty interesting uh, that the Red Wings are targeting these three. So what do I think the Penguins could get in return if the Red Wings make a deal? Um, I don't think much in a way. It depends who goes. Um if we end up trading like P.O. Joseph, I could see the Penguins getting more of a trade versus trading someone like Bluger or Dumoulin just because of the stake of their cap hit. Um, the ideal uh, trade, I think, with the Penguins for like any of these players would be like around a fourth round draft pick, maybe a third. It, I don't know. I really want to. I really want one push uh, Steve Eiserman's buttons, but boy, can he uh, fleece a few teams. So, um, I could see the Red Wings giving up a prospect, but not a decent prospect in the Red Wings prospect pool. Um, the Red Wings have easily one of the best prospect pools in the league. Um, looking at the Penguins prospect pool, something that we do lack in that is defensive depth. And I'm thinking like a guy like William Wallander. I don't know if that's somebody that Steve Eiserman and the Red Wings are willing to give up is someone like William Wallander. Um, he barely cracks the top 10 on my list with the Red Wings prospect pool. So I don't know if the Red Wings, but I think just getting like a fourth, fifth round draft pick would be enough. But if it ends up being a cap dump, it's going to be like future considerations and i'm totally not for future considerations so that is going to do it with the segment of the detroit red wings potentially being a trade partner with the penguins and the players that they are going to target so coming up in the final segment we are going to look at the penguins preseason broadcast slash media plans and that is coming up right after this all right i am back here on the yinzers at the point podcast i am your host tyler aaron if you want to follow me on instagram or twitter it is at tyler aaron 65 or you can follow the show's instagram or twitter at penguins fan 65 and in today's final segment we are going to talk about the penguins preseason broadcast slash media plans so the other day the penguins announced their preseason broadcast information so i'm going to run through that and go over the preseason schedule so the penguins preseason starts on september 25th with a double header one versus the blue jackets at home at 1 p.m and one in Columbus at 7. So the Penguins will send a group to Pittsburgh and a group to Columbus. One will play at 1. The other will play at 7. So 
the September 25th game at home versus the Blue Jackets is the Penguins free game for kids presented by Highmark. So uh, you can watch that game on NHL.com slash Penguins. So there will be a, a stream out on the Penguins website where you can go ahead and watch. Um, most of these games are not on AT&T Sportsnet because of the Pirates and uh, what their schedules looks like, and they get the broadcast first because theirs was planned before this. So that game later to that day on the 25th at 7 in Columbus, that game will also be on NHL.com slash Penguins. So, moving on to September 27th versus the Detroit Red Wings in Pittsburgh. That game will be also on NHL.com slash Penguins. Uh, Again, the stream will be on the Penguins website. On October 1st in Buffalo with a 1 o'clock puck drop, that game will indeed be on AT&T Sportsnet. So, you can tune into that. On AT&T Sportsnet. Um, two days later. On October 3rd. Uh, at 7.30. In Detroit. Uh, there will be. No broadcast. For that game. So you'll have to follow along. With at Penguins. And at Pens. Inside Scoop. So there will be no televised broadcast. Of the Penguins. In Detroit. On October 3rd at 7.30. And then the Penguins will wrap up their preseason versus the Buffalo Sabres on October 7th at 7. And that game will indeed be on AT&T Sportsnet. So you can only stream these games and can only be accessed if you live in the local Pittsburgh AT&T Sportsnet region. Uh, multiple teams do use AT&T Sportsnet, such as the Seattle Kraken and so on. So if, as long as you're in the Penguin, the Pittsburgh AT&T Sportsnet region, you will be okay to watch both games against the Buffalo Sabres on October 1st and October 7th. And of course, all games will be on 105.9 The X on the radio. So every single preseason game will be on the radio on 105.9 The X. So with that being said, after that October 7th game, the Penguins schedule will kick off October 13th versus the Coyotes. So we are getting really close for preseason action to start. We have about three, three and a half weeks-ish till preseason starts. I am very excited that hockey is almost back. Training camp should start really soon now. Um, I forget what the date, but the Penguins rookies will be participating in the Rookie Challenge in Buffalo, New York. So that's coming up in a few weeks too as well. So I am very excited. So that is going to do it for this episode of the Yenzers at the Point podcast. Uh, The next episode will be out on Monday, September 5th. So that is going to do it for this episode. And I will talk to you all on Monday.